This is Energy of Business Moments with Michael Seip, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their business success into your life and business. Energy of Business Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Michael Seip. Hey there, everyone. Michael Seip here, host of the Energy of Business Moments podcast on the Strategic Advisor Board channel. And I've got Martin Pisani. He is a serial, in fact, multi-time entrepreneur. He's got a big corporate background in a number of companies, Bally, Crunch Fitness. He's worked on Madison Avenue on the marketing side. A lot of corporate background and innovative background, but then became an entrepreneur and has five companies now. But what is best known for probably at this point is he's got some books out there about living well and aging well. And so for our entrepreneurs listening to the show, I think this will be very valuable, but his one of his books, Secrets of Aging Well, Get Outside, and then Put Your Brain First, Radically Improve the Way You Age. So Martin, glad to have you on the show today. Hey, glad to be here. It's uh, it's right down my uh, power alley, I think, what you're talking about here. So it's ha- it's good to be here. Yeah, well, as many business owners, you know, we get under a lot of stress at times. And with you think about entrepreneurship and a lot of the st- people starting up as entrepreneurs are in that 50 to 60 year age group. So what do you have to say about one, how you're helping people and then a little bit about being an entrepreneur at that age? Well, you know, it's it's funny, as you know, entrepreneurship is accelerating exponentially with people above age 50 and age 60. A lot of it has to do with being frustrated with corporate life. A lot of it has to do with being downsized out of corporate life and you got to find something to do with yourself uh, since you're going to live probably to be 80 or more. So retirement is for many people, not an option. So entrepreneurship is booming with people above the age that you would have assumed a generation ago. You know, we always think about Silicon Valley startups, people in their twenties and thirties, but the numbers are phenomenal for people above 50 at this point. And, and so what's critical is keeping your brain and your body as sharp as you can as you age. And therefore, the concept of, I think, fitness plays an incredible role in your ability to be a successful entrepreneur, especially as you age. I mean, it's important when you're younger. It's vitally important as as you get older. You can't do it without it, I don't think. I don't think you can have the energy to compete. I don't think you can have the energy to have the persistence without also being fit. So that's kind of what has become a quest for me is to help people get there to live longer, happier, healthier lives. That's what my books are about. And that's what my gestating wellness empire is, is going to be about as we progress. Oh, fascinating. It, really interesting how, how that's transpired. And you think about all the stresses that a business owner, entrepreneur, solopreneur might have. And, you know, to get up and going, that's a lot of hours to to put into it and and when you think of all the pressure that can be there finding enough money to go buy the equipment you need or going and figuring out how to do marketing when you know nothing about marketing or how do you know that you're going to get return on investments like all these things that come in as a pressure are hard to deal with and you know, obviously you can have a mentor but but dealing with it yourself is different right There's a ton of literature and books about the importance of persistence and resilience and grit and and the importance of those factors in successful entrepreneurship. But if you get behind those factors, 
having the energy to, to be persistent is important. You get that energy through fitness, I, I think. And there's so many lessons to, to be learned, not only through fitness, but, you know, my approach, I mean, I'm a mountaineer, right? So I've always, and I have been for quite a long time. I see analogies everywhere in my mountaineering and hiking adventures to the business world, um, you know, setting high goals, having the willpower and the strength and the mental toughness to get to those goals or to try again when you fail to persist. There's this concept um, that, that I refer to all the time called the false summit. And a false summit in the outdoor world is when you're going uphill and you think you're at the crest of something and you discover that there's actually another crest behind that one or multiple false summits behind that. And it, it's psychologically uh, stressful and it can be demoralizing to think you're almost there. And then bam, you got to get the energy to do it again and again. And just think about it. that's just the way life is, right? You think you're, you think you've got the funding, you think you're launched successfully, you think you've uh, made the big time, but then there's a setback and you have to get your energy back up. And I just don't think you can perform unless you've got the fitness to go along with that. And you get that fitness, you know, it's through self-discipline. And I, I choose to get it through a combination of outdoor hiking and climbing. And also I, I'm a gym rat too. Having come from that business, I do enjoy the gym workout, even though the book talks about uh, getting fit outside of the gym. Uh, the combination, there's multiple ways to get fit and there's something for everybody. And I think it's really critical. Yeah. I love what you're talking about here because, you know, when it, for people who listen to the show, they know that when I talk about energy, I'm talking about our core energy and that's our thoughts we think, the emotions we feel attached to those thoughts, but it's also the behavior and actions we take. And so that can be in the physical form. So if that's going to the gym or if it's going and running, if it's going and walking along the river in nature, you know, just getting outside can be a form of ex exhibiting energy. And, uh, and so it makes complete sense to me that when you say discipline, obviously there's the mental discipline of the energy piece, but it's the physical part too. Totally. And how about you share a little bit for, for us, just for our audience about some of the benefits of on the health side, whether it's with the brain, with the heart, whatever, on how the wellness piece actually is beneficial for them in doing that exercise. Look, you know, what's really funny is a lot of people uh, – look at the physical benefits of exercise and hiking. I, over the last decade, have become completely obsessed with the cognitive benefits of exercise. You know, there's this interesting dynamic and neuroscience has come a long way in the last generation. But recently, they, they've discovered that when you work out and you get your heart rate to between 66 and 75% of your maximum heart rate, your body starts to create a hormone called BDNF. BDNF is called, stands for brain-derived neurotropic factor. That hormone is actually the building blocks for new brain cells. Go figure, you actually can build brain cells and you can do it at any age. And if you give those new neurons, those new brain cells, something to do, like complex movements or learning or a challenge, you actually can keep, you build, you strengthen your brain, you create new cognitive pathways, your brain actually, if you think of the analogy, it starts to grow new muscles, and you, you, you get more resilient. And, you know, there's a lot of studies now about showing you're having a sharper brain, if you exercise and work out um, the ability to 
offset cognitive decline through exercise, which obviously becomes critical as you age. Um, and so there's just some remarkable benefits that go way beyond what you'd think that affect your brain. And, you know, the truth of it is without a healthy brain, it almost doesn't matter what the situation is with your body. I, I think the brain comes first. And that's why the book is called put your brain first, right? The brain controls your, your body. And if your brain is not right, your body is not going to be right. So I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. That's that's fascinating insight. And and actually, you know, people used to talk about it and to say it's beneficial for you, but to actually identify the hormone that's being produced and then show that the effect of having more of that is that's the evidence. So many people are evidence-based yeah. right, in their decision-making process. So, so being able to have that evidence rather than just categorically say something is the way yeah, it is. It, it is well-backed in science at this point, but you know, there's also the, the experience you have. I mean, you feel better. You definitely feel better. And especially right. when you're doing a lot of outdoor stuff, there's all kinds of new studies going on that actually, this is so amazing. And it was such a revelation to me that the more time you spend outside and doing hiking and, and uh, exertion outside, you actually are improving your eyesight. And in the process of improving your eyesight, you're improving your spirit, your, your, uh, your mood, your, your ability to resist stress. And it, your brain actually responds to that. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Your optic nerve is actually an extension of your brain, right? And a lot of people don't realize this, but your, your eyesight is critical input to the brain. I mean, but you know, there are muscles that control not only how your eye focuses, but how it moves. And when you are doing what we're doing right now, which is basically looking at a flat screen, you're not really using your eyes the way they were designed. You're not focusing, you're not looking off into infinity, you're not looking back and forth looking for obstacles. And, you know, we all got you know, we had two years of looking at screens and not going outside enough because of the pandemic. There's an incredible uptick in myopia and eye-related uh, maladies right now. And one of the remedies is getting outside, spend a little less time on the screen and getting outside and looking off into infinity. You know, the funny thing also is when you're hiking on uneven terrain, your, your brain and your body are doing this interesting synergistic dance where you're trying to make sure you don't trip. Like most of the steps you take on a treadmill, it's predictable. You're not really using your brain much. But when you're outside, is there a rock? Is there a root? Are the leaves slippery? Am I going uphill? I, want, I don't want to fall. Your, your brain is as active as can be trying to make sure you don't fall and, and keeping you moving and balanced through space. That's actually go figure, a brain workout that keeps you sharper. So at the very least, if you're an entrepreneur and you're not walking every day, you're not getting, you're not getting, you're not sharpening the saw, as they say, as Stephen Covey used to say, I love that, uh, I love that expression, sharpen the saw. You know, you can, you can hack at the log all day long, but if you don't take a break and sharpen that saw, it's going to be inefficient. So that's the way I look at walking and hiking and being fit is you're sharpening the saw. That saw is your brain. Yeah. Well, as somebody who appreciates the outdoors and does try to go hiking and, and enjoy nature's beauty, that those added benefits you talked about make a lot of sense and, and are something that not a lot of people know. So, so tying that aspect in is, is a great piece. Well, Martin, as, as we, you know, have been talking through sort of the, the health side of this, obviously when one's a business owner, 
we have ups and downs in our businesses. And so, yeah, there could be false summits. There could be some actual summits, right? And then, and then sometimes there are these lows or these valleys. And, and it's very interesting how people deal with the highs and with the lows. So for our audience, do you have a story you could share with us about maybe one of your highs that you went through in business and then, you know, how, how they kept you going? You know, I have a lot of them. I, I have a really eclectic background, a lot of different experiences. The highs are great. I, you know, at one time I was VP marketing for uh, Jose Corvo Tequila. That was sort of a high point. It was a long time ago now, but it was one of those experiences where nothing went wrong. Everything you did was a wild success. And it was, it was incredible. But you know what I discovered over the years, you don't learn nearly as much from the high points and the successes. It's satisfying. And I've had a number of very satisfying experiences, but what's so much more useful is learning from the down, the downturns, the failures, the, the bad experiences, and, and using that as a learning experience to correct the next thing that comes along. Um, and the more experience you get, I mean, you know, you're not going to go through a, a long career and every single thing you touch is going to have the Midas touch. There's going to be failure. There's going to be setbacks. And you might as well make the most of them and accept the fact that those are great learning experiences and, and set you up to do it better the next time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so so when we, we talk about our successes and we get in our streak of successes like you did with uh, the tequila company, right? That's great and everything, but that's sort of a higher energy level in the coaching I do where it's, it's energy level six. And I explain it later, but the point is, is that those challenges and overcoming those challenges end up building our muscle, if you will, and, and being able to handle adversity in the future. And so riding along at, at that energy level six or at that, at that higher energy you're talking about is great. It's wonderful. Like sometimes people have striven so hard for so long to get to that point that it's a reward, but then, but if they haven't been there and they just happen to get lucky and, or happen to be in a market where they just instantly took over uh, the ability to be successful, then yeah, you can be at that higher energy level. But for you, I, I think you're really talking about some some great moments here at one of those lower energy levels where something happened that kind of was a setback. And so how about you share a little bit about one or two of those that you experienced yeah, and how you, you know, dealt with it? I, I've had a couple of setbacks and, and they've been incredible learning experiences, truthfully. I had a, a, a kind of a detour uh, about 20 years ago. I was the CEO of a music company. And uh, I was brought in as an outsider, kind of the way you know John Scully was brought in to Apple. Um, and it was interesting. I mean, I learned a heck of a lot. It was a bad timing though. It was while the music business was transitioning from analog to digital and it was sucking all the profit out of the industry. And it was a really difficult transition. And I spent about four years in the music business and I learned a lot. We had some successes, but in the end, it wasn't what I had hoped to accomplish. Yeah. It, it was an interesting learning experience and, in, in turnaround in uh, in digital transformation, in uh, uh, taking risks, which, by the way, I've always been really willing to do. I think that comes from my being a, a mountaineer. I, I accept risk. I mean, I don't even see corporate or professional risk the way most people do, because you're probably not going to get killed, no matter what your, your role in the corporate world is. So I, I'm willing to accept a lot of risks. And this music thing was a heck of a heck of a risk. I also, you know, when I came to the fitness business, and that was an interesting transition, um, I had been a member of 
Bally Total Fitness from 1979 until I joined the company in 2003 during a very difficult period for them. I was brought in as the turnaround guy. And um, it ultimately didn't work because it was badly broken and there was some financial corruption that was happening behind the scenes. And the company ultimately um, did a chapter 11 after I left. But we had a short-term success where we drove a million new members to the club in a 12-month period. And at the time, Bally was the largest fitness company in the world. It was a record surge of membership. And it was written up as a Harvard Business School case study, which I was kind of proud of. But even that wasn't enough financial circumstances of the company. So it was a marketing success, but a corporate failure. And um, But on the other hand, it taught me a heck of a lot about what was needed in the fitness business. And that really was the catalyst for the next 20 years of me developing a fitness, couple of fitness clubs. Um, and then also what I'm doing right now. And what I learned is there, and, and by the way, also for my book, because I learned through that experience, there's a certain amount of people, no matter what you do, they're not going to go in the gym. They just don't want to go in the gym. So you have to give those people an opportunity to get fit outside the gym. And thus the book about hiking, Secrets of Aging Will Get Outside, it's the fitness you can't get in the gym, right? But also I learned that the customer experience was really one of the things that was holding people, keeping people away. And I created a way of attracting people 50 plus to the fitness business. And what you see in the in the mainstream fitness is membership and interest in the fit in organized fitness drops drastically above age 50 and continues to slide. But that's exactly when people need it the most. So if you ask yourself why, it's really it's the customer experience is too youth oriented and the membership is too youth oriented and without sounding reverse ageist when you get to a certain age you don't want to work out with 25 year olds in the gym you don't want to work out among spandex and pounding 90 decibel rap music you want a different experience and that's what this little wellness empire i'm developing is about it's cultivating customer experiences in wellness that focus on people 50, 60, and 70 who need it, but are not being properly served by the fitness industry. That's really my interest. And that's become my quest is to get to that point. Well, that's a great quest. And it makes sense how you transitioned in what you learned from that uh, experience at Valley. And what I find really interesting too, is like, sometimes we can have bursts of energy where we focus and we get the quick win or we get the, the goal achieved, but there are some other aspects that we just weren't aware of. And, and so, you know, in this case, I can imagine being in that corporate setting where, yeah, you, you gained a million new uh, members, but at the same time, there's enough stuff broken behind the scenes that, that it wasn't successful enough. You know, it's that old adage in corporate world is it's hard to turn around a, uh, a, a the Titanic in a bathtub, or you know how it works. And you, know, you, you become a prisoner of, of what you are and creating change and a complete cultural and business transformation of a big company on the fly, really, really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. But I admire your pivot because basically what you did is you saw you basically from that from that learning moment of semi failure i won't say it was complete failure because there were some That's se- success, yeah. yeah is is the idea that that hey uh something else is going on here 
and 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 it's a bigger trend or it's a bigger issue. How can we solve that and and achieve that here? And so when we have these setbacks, that mentality of like, okay, well, what can I learn from this? What is what's going on either with myself as a leader? What's going on with my business? What's going on with the marketplace? You know, what's going on here that that we can learn from? And so I I love that example, and that's great. And of course, it translates into a whole other basically industry and and you're going into this sort of wellness and health side for the 50 plus and and that's a whole market that really could use it like you said so thanks for sharing that well you know there's a thing called the longevity economy that is gelling right now and uh, a lot of marketers are unaware of how big it is but it is more than 50% of the economy going forward is controlled or um, it is going to be based on products that are created and bought and sold by people above age 50. That's people. You, once you get to the point of having the empty nest, right? You're start, you start to focus on you and as, as opposed to putting kids through college and raising kids and all that stuff. And there's a lot of money in that, in the longevity economy and very few have really focused on it. Very few. Yeah. Well, and the, and the advantage somebody will have when they're pivoting that way is, is this, I, I think of like a midlife crisis, right? In the seventies or eighties, you would see somebody going out and buying a fancy new car because they, they, they're having a difficulty in, in aging. Right. Uh, and so it, that's their form and that was their way of therapy, right. Is going out and buying that shiny new object. Right. That changed. Well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, it's still there. But I think what you're talking about is this other segment of America or the country or the world that's waking up to the longevity piece. Yeah. And that is a market that is, it is growing and expanding. And I see that in my work as I see these people coming to me now that are looking for that sense of substance and and improvement and so uh, i think you hit the nail on the head and i think it's a tremendous opportunity for businesses out there yeah i think when you start to get a little let's call it high mileage on you on you you start to think about not only leaving a, a legacy but the importance of having something have meaning to you it's not just a job it, it should have value it should have meaning you should have a purpose and, you know, I, I'm glad I found a purpose that can keep me pretty busy for the next 10 or 20 years because I have, you know, I'm, I'm 66. A lot of people think that's when you start to slow down. I'm fast going faster now than I ever did. And I have no intention of retiring. I'm looking ahead. You know, I got a couple of role models. Um, you know about Klaus Obermeier? This guy's the guy who started the Obermeier Ski Company. He's 102 skiing at a very high level right now. And I, I, that's what I want to be. I want to be 102 skiing at a very high level. And so I, you know, my, I'm nowhere ready to slow down. And I think a lot of people are starting to see that because, you know, even if you're not taking really good care of yourself, um, you're probably going to live to be 80 or mid eighties. What would you possibly do with yourself other than go on a long, slow physical or cognitive decline for 20 years, unless you stay very, very active and have a purpose. And, and, and to do that again, you got to train for it. You got to be fit. You got to, you got to eat right. You got to be engaged. And mm -hmm. uh, too many people just kind of sit on the couch and get detached and they go into that long, slow decline. And that's just not for me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very motivational actually to hear, hear that. And I see this, going on where people are kind of awakening to that opportunity and I saying, so. I, I don't want to be in the armchair the rest of the day and right. watching TV all night, all night long. That's, I don't want to fit that model. And I want to have some meaning in my life.
Great. Well, Martin, the question I tend to ask here at the end of the episode here is if you could meet anybody deceased or living, who would that be and why? It depends on the week, but I mean, I think, you know, you know, I have multiple companies, right? And you probably can guess that I'm going to say right now, Elon Musk is who I'd like to talk to. I mean, I think what the guy's done, starting with PayPal, and then if you add on top of that Tesla and and SpaceX, and now trying to completely transform Twitter, I, I just like to find out, you know, what's in his head and how he has the energy to keep doing that. And um, how he faces challenge and handles the stress. I, I'd really like to talk to him. I'd like to get him to invest in some of my stuff too. <laughs> I'll pitch him. <laughs> well, you know, the, the interesting thing about that is like the, the, there's this need, right? I think we've identified, you know, generations. And so when you look at the Gen X, or especially Gen Z, not having children, not having kids until much later in life, there's this workforce scarcity that's going to be coming into play here. And, and so the question becomes, well, who's going to service from right. a labor perspective? And hey, if people can live longer, well, guess what? Now you've got the workforce that's not retiring as early. You can keep them going because they want to, but they're doing something that's of value. And so I think I think you might be open to an idea you know, like that. It, it's a fascinating uh, intersection of trends because um, – Post-COVID, most big corporations really don't want people above 50 and 60 anymore because they're insurance risks, right? It makes sense from an actuarial standpoint. On the other hand, we've just come off maybe a half a generation of corporate downsizing where they lost a lot of the intellectual capital, the, the cultural glue of companies. They downsized. And what you basically have now are some extremely senior people and a lot of junior people running around. The middle is kind of downsized. And I agree. I think if I think one of the solutions to what's going on in the corporate world is to start to bring back people with 20, 30, 40 years of experience to kind of be that transition between the junior team and executive management, because it's there's too much of a gap right now. And I, I, I think that's going to be a trend that's going to start right now once we get past the fear of COVID. Yeah, I think that's going to come back. Yeah, uh, great point. Great point. Yeah. And and for Elon Musk and the, the success with his companies, just, just today, this morning, I saw one of their SpaceX launches here in, in Florida. And it was one of their um, you know heavy lift ones. They hadn't done it in 40 months. And watching the side boosters come back in and land after the hit, you know, the, the ingenuity there is just amazing. And the, and the cost per, per launch has just come down so much. So that kind of innovation is really uh, eye-opening and doing it across different businesses, different different segments. It's, it's particularly fascinating for me because I literally was 12 years old during the lunar landing, the Apollo 11, and I was mesmerized by it. In fact, if you asked me what I wanted to be, it was, of course, an astronaut, and I figured I'd be living on the moon when I was age 40. So, uh, yeah, I, what he's done with SpaceX, I, I, I can't even fathom. It's just so remarkable and yeah. uh, so exciting to see, and I, I hope we see a lot more of it. Yeah, cool. Well, Martin, uh, how can people get a hold of you um, and learn more about what you provide? Well, uh, I've got a website, which I I think you'll share the link to both for my book and for myself. And I I do speaking and I've been doing a lot of, strangely enough, now that COVID is over, um, book talks for my book have come back into vogue. I've done four of them in the last three weeks. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly open to networking and being connected with, and uh, you can reach me through my websites uh, in numerous ways. And I'm on all social media, so you can find me there. 
Yeah. Well, back in the early days of TED Talks, you gave one of the first TED Talks and and now it's translating into a new venue, new form. And I'm grateful to have you on our podcast. You have a, a lot of val value to provide to people. And so thanks for being on the show. I've really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to Energy of Business Moments with your host, Michael Seip. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.